Hi, I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. We're board-certified plastic surgeons and hosts of the podcast, Forever Young. Join us every Tuesday as we share the latest products and procedures in the never-ending quest to help our patients look and feel their very best. The world of cosmetic surgery is constantly improving. Join us on the cutting edge. Forever Young is available wherever you get your podcasts. The following content is not suitable for children. What's going on with these sexual withdrawers that makes them not want to have sex? What's up, Lori? Yeah, the weird thing about it is some of them actually repress their own desire. So we got to figure this out to help them and help their partners understand what the heck is happening. Like, if you know your partner wants sex, why would you not want to feel desire? That's what we're going to answer. That's our question. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Valley, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. Big question. Big, big questions, questions are big answers, Lori. Yes, they do. And before we get started, I just want to shout out to Julie Manano on the Secure Relationship on Instagram. She does a fantastic job putting very simply kind of the nuggets about secure relationship and especially in the emotional cycle. And we're going to partner with her and kind of talk a little bit more about the sexual cycle with her and I just invite you right now to go to see her Instagram at The Secure Relationship with Julie Manano. It's fabulous. Nice. And who don't like golden nuggets? But I love the way she's able to just deliver these messages and keep it simple, baby. And you can just take these little nuggets with you throughout the day, talk to your partner. And it's just, it's just such great conversation starters. Yeah, it is. It's fabulous. And you can join us too at foreplay underscore sex therapy podcast we'd love to have you join us too spread the word instagram okay. i know sorry Lori always bugs me i'm not the biggest social media person but <laughs> it has its values right it's a great it way of spreading a message it does and you can share it and it's not so in your face you know it's really non-defensive you can share something with your partner really easily just a little a little bit about attachment Okay, so let's talk about sexual withdrawers who actually push their own desire down and what the heck is happening. I want to start off by just saying most withdrawers, this is a, a not a choice. I mean, it's a learned behavior, often outside awareness. As yes, an EFT therapist, yes. I'm always saying we need to make the implicit explicit, right? We're trying to get people to know themselves better. To how, how did they wind up in this spot? Nobody wants to say, hey, I don't have desire. I can't access it or, you know, but it, it's these invisible threads that happen throughout a lifetime that start to string together, that start to pull us in these different directions. And that's really what we're going to try to uncover here today. Right. I don't think this is purposeful that sexual withdrawers are saying, I don't want to feel desire, but they do kind of repress it for really good reasons. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think, I think it is so hard for all of us to ask for sex, to want sex. I mean, that, it's tough to say, hey, you know, I, I just want you to touch me and give me an orgasm tonight. Ooh, 
I bet it's so risky for anybody to say and to want. I think it's so intimate. And I I think for one reason, sexual withdrawers, like that risk means maybe their needs won't be met. And certainly the pursuer takes that risk too. I think it would be helpful, Lori, if we oversimplify it again. But a sexual withdrawer, female and male, is Mm -hmm. often very different creatures, right? Tons of similarities. And we're not, we know there's a lot of overlap and we're not putting people into one box. Well, let's, let's spend the first couple of minutes with a female sexual withdrawer. Okay. Right. Where, where might they learn to, cause I, I would imagine there's lots of messages, you know, internally from how women feel about themselves and their body to the culture around them, messages that they should and shouldn't to, you know, early childhood. So where Mm -hmm. do you want to start? Yeah. So, I mean, certainly I think as a woman, even though it seems like our culture is more open to sexuality and you see sex wherever you go, you see it in the movies, you see it in the grocery store, on the magazines, you know, I mean, it's a constant reminder about the world as being sexual. But there is still, I think, a a difficult message for women that to want is somehow or another to be a bad girl, to be a slut, to be a whore. Like, you know, you shouldn't actually be open about wanting it. One of the biggest blocks I see, George, for women who want it is they, they secretly want it, but they don't allow that desire to break the surface because they don't feel good about their body. They don't have positive body self-esteem. And so it's like, if I want sex, that means I'm going to have to get naked and I'm going to have to show my partner my body. And I just, I don't want to do that. So I don't want to, I just won't feel anything. You know, they really do push down moments that they feel sexual because they get anxious about what that means. Their partner's going to look at them and judge them and not think they're desirable. It's, it's pretty vicious because... Many times their sexually desiring partner does want them, you know, and would love to have them come forward in those moments where they actually feel it for themselves and they feel desire. They'd give anything if their partner would go for it. Well, and oftentimes, where do they learn to like or dislike their body? What are the messages we get in childhood? Our brain might not even be conscious, but I, a lot of women that I work with, especially at an early age that don't get a lot of touch. Yep. Then they don't have a lot of success with touch. You know, that's going to carry over into their sexual expression. Yeah. I know you say a lot about that. So you want to just talk about really the imprint of a lack of touch and what that can do even on a physiological or cellular level for, for people. Yeah. I think that, you know, when we don't get enough affection in childhood, we literally shrivel a little bit. And, you know, we know that children, babies who are not touched enough by somebody who loves them can die. And I think that maybe we don't die because we have enough of other supply that we live, but our soul kind of says, you know, I, it is so painful to a child to want to be held, to want to be soothed physically, that if they don't get that, they just button up so tight to not need that. And then when it's evoked again in a romance, in a long-term romance, I mean, maybe in a short 
you know, early romance, they allow themselves the pleasure of being touched in sex. But long term, that person becomes an attachment figure. And what gets triggered in our brains is don't trust. And so the long-term effect of that is they don't trust somebody else with their sexual desire, with their bodies. And in order to do that, they have to turn off sexual desire. Because I literally think that for people who haven't had enough affection, sexual desire is painful. I mean, it, it goes through their whole body as pain, as longing that is like unrequited. It's never going to be met. And so it just hurts and hurts and hurts. And they like, I don't want to hurt. So they turn that off. You got some deep theories here. I'm not sure how much I I go to the depths that you go with this stuff. But having worked with a lot of, especially kids or adults who were adopted at an early yeah, age. Right. Who didn't have this this bonding. At, you yeah. know, even before they develop words, like those first couple of years, right? That they call an attachment disorder, right? When you don't know how to bond or connect right. with somebody, right? right? When you're and you're on your own, you got to learn to be on your own. You got to learn up to put walls and figure out the answers and focus on yourself. And you know, it makes this this touch more confusing, right? The most beautiful thing. I and mean, mm -hmm. how many thousands and thousands of couples have we worked? you know, to get closer together mm -hmm. and, and closer together always what cements it is the hug, right? It's it's the kiss, it's yes. the hand holding, yes. it's the rush. It's like that physical expression that allows both bodies to relax relax, release that oxytocin. Now you you can see the shift, you know, from all the anxiety, the isolation and the hurt towards connection, the signs of connection, right? Relaxation, warmth, lightness, right? mm -hmm. these classic signs of when the body is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Right. And with a lot of these sexual withdrawers, they, they can't access that. Mm -hmm. the, the risks, it's just muscle memory. They're so familiar being on their own. They have to, you know, overcome this this hill this mountain of of, of letting go of control of allowing themselves to have a corrective emotional experience and that's a risky thing to do especially when the math has not been so great around this yeah and haven't you ever like hugged a friend i mean most people when they hug they kind of relax into your into the hug and they feel okay. But some people, I'm thinking particularly of a friend, a, a girlfriend of mine who I do know her history. I do know that she did not get enough physical love and attention and affection in her childhood. And so when I hug her, and God knows I'm a hugger, yes, um, you know, it's like her body is stiff. It, she can't take that affection in and I know it comes from this lack of trust. It's like physical touch is not safe, not because it was damaging, but because there wasn't enough of it. And so it's like she just can't let herself take it in and receive yeah. it, just a simple hug. And I think that in her partnership, you know, she has low libido classically, but I think it has nothing to do because she hasn't really explored her libido. She doesn't really know herself. But I know that it's like this block that comes from not having had enough, you know, attention and affection. It's not really just attention. It's actual physical touch because we bond with our parents first with physical touch. I mean, 
the emotional cycle, yes, it develops, but how does it develop? Through being held, through being touched, through being stroked. You know, it, it's really a physical experience that bonds us with our parents. Well, you string all those together, right? A lack of touch early on, lots of conditioning that you, your, your body doesn't look the way it should, so you right. don't like your body. Right. A lot of messages that you shouldn't do these things as a good girl or a bad girl. I mean, these things start mm -hmm. to stack together. Mm -hmm. You know, then you start to have sex to make the other person happy, and that's a loving thing to do, but... Every mm -hmm. time you're putting your body in a situation where it doesn't have success, it doesn't get the rewards that it would normally get, it's just that wall gets thicker and thicker. It does. I love the story I heard from Joyce Pincer, mm -hmm. where she talks about a woman who was described with really low libido and mm -hmm. had decades of sex that she really didn't want. And we get why she, she didn't want to have sex. You know, but then... She started to figure out, like, how can I work with this? How can I change this part of me that, that, that's blocked? And the key that unlocks the door or the wall, right? She said, when I put my knee on the bed and I'm about to get into that bed to have sex with my partner, that if I could just find a moment in this act that's coming up mm. of something that I mm. want, right? Just introducing, like, there's something... I want in this encounter, that totally changes how her body responds to the encounter. So many withdrawers have sex that they don't want to do. Yeah. They can't find the want. And in not finding the want, right, it just continues to reinforce that wall, that distance, the lack of success with touch. So that's, I think, the key element that we need to talk more about when we come back from the break. Okay. Right? What is the want? that longing. Laurie, we know great lovers are intentional. They bring playfulness, curiosity into the bedroom so they can relax. And we got a great product to help do that. Foria. Foria, right? Their sex oil and their awaken product is helpful for orgasms. If you want a bigger or better orgasm, Foria is where it's at. They use all-natural plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure and also relieve discomfort. And I can totally see why that works because it also just kind of helps get everything ready down there. Right. And when you can use both the awakened arousal oil and the sex oil, I mean, they do combine to pack a little boom. Pack a little punch. For the ultimate pleasure pregame, you really want to use it before you start. And then that kind of gets your body a little bit ready. So I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more and deeper and fuller pleasure whenever you can find it and as often as possible, of course. And you can start with the bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal to our Foreplay fam. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash foreplay or just use the code foreplay at checkout and that's f-o-r-i-a wellness.com forward slash foreplay for 20% off your first order and I recommend trying their awaken arousal oil and sex oil and you will thank us later oh my god yes oh my god yes omg yes <laughs> OMG. sure for that oh my god baby Oh my God, it's for women, men, and couples. It's a website that shows the largest research study 
on women's pleasure and the findings that they have done. And basically, they asked tens of thousands of women what made pleasure better for them. You know, how they got to orgasm. It's very cool. And they found patterns, and then they organized all this onto ohmygodyes.com, which is they show basically super honest videos, animations, and how to's. And so this is like how to touch a woman. And I have sent people here when they need help for how to touch themselves and how to touch their partner. We're big fans of research, and this this website is is totally supported by the best research out there. Many of us think things like, you know, I've already got the techniques that work for me, and I'm good. But finding out what works for other people, it may help you, and it may help you find new things that you didn't even know you liked or that your partner liked. There's always more to explore. These are explicit videos, but I have sent lots and lots of clients to it. I think that it's artfully done. It's just vulnerable. It's beautiful. Go to omgs.com slash foreplay for a special discount. That's O-M-G-Y-E-S dot com slash foreplay. So as we think about this, there is seemingly a gender difference. And you and I talked about this, that you don't really see this as much with men who have been injured in childhood with the loss of affection, like somehow or another, it doesn't really stop them. And I I would agree. I would agree that testosterone, which kicks in in adolescence, gives men a second chance for, you know, having that healing touch. And it's usually sexual that they say, okay, you know, I do need it. I do want it. And they allow themselves to risk because testosterone pushes their body so much for it. So I, I really do think men have kind of an advantage that could heal them where, you know, the childhood block for women, it's not quite as easy to get over. I like the image of that mountain. So the lack of touch for either male or female early on creates an obstacle. It's a little bit harder climbing to to enjoy touch because there's complications to it. Sure. But testosterone gives a push that can get so many men over, right? They can overcompensate. Their bodies are like, the testosterone drives me to do it. And then once I do it, I recognize I really like this. Yeah. I like touch. I like the orgasm. I like my penis being like all of that stuff starts to, you know, give the reinforcement that they didn't get early on. It does. It's very healing. It's very healing. So I love your imagery. It's a second chance, right? The the physiology leads to the natural process unfolding. And when you do work with some men who are sexual withdrawers, the testosterone isn't enough to overcome it, yeah, right? That they don't. still experience a coldness or a distance in their bodies that, you know, they can't overcome with the testosterone. Right. I think, you know, with some men who do have good testosterone, the trust that is necessary to give somebody their sexual needs, to put those sexual needs into somebody else's hands, literally— you know, is like, it's too much. You know, maybe their mother was too cold or their family environment wasn't rewarding enough. And so they just, even with testosterone, can't do it. And it's, you know, we we know that men with adequate testosterone sometimes are still blocked in feeling desire. And Well, it goes back to the want, right? That's the key to withdrawal re-engagement. What do they want for themselves in this encounter? It's beautiful to serve your partner Mm -hmm. and to get the connection. And we all love that. But, you know, so many men, they know 
that if they could just have sex with their partner, things will be better. So ah, sex becomes yeah. service. Sex becomes something to make the relationship better. Mm -hmm. But again, I think the biggest block is it feels so bad to have failure sexually. When they don't feel close, when they mm -hmm. feel like they're likely to do something wrong or piss their partner off or like the pressure that that puts yeah. on them yeah. causes, you know, even the testosterone can overcome that, right? right? The cost, the emotional cost of the failure and rejection sexually, it's just easy to keep it safe and not put your body in that situation. Yeah. But playing it safe and not taking the risk make sex then about something you give somebody else instead of what you want yourself. Yeah, I, I was working with a guy who, you know, you were ringing in my ears during the session, and I was just... I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> it was a good thing. But, you know, he was young, and he didn't have any desire. And I'm like, okay, what's the problem? And we eventually isolated that he was really afraid he was going to lose his erection. Mm. He was really afraid of that. And I said, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and you would never lose your erection again when you wanted it, would you want to have sex? And he's like, all the time. It really was the block, the fear of fear. failing. And in yeah. his mind, losing his erection was failing. That's a long story. I don't think it is always that. But, you know, for him it was. It, that, and he just couldn't do it. But he, so... His desire was blocked because of the fear of failure. I think that's what the point you're making, that men, too, have different pressures. You know, I think a woman can – I think the fear of failure is not quite as high because she could at least in a heterosexual relationship have intercourse, you know, mm -hmm. in some reception. If she, you know, is lubed up enough, she can probably do it comfortably. Maybe she won't have an orgasm, but she could at least fulfill kind of the sex act and maybe make her partner happy. But for a man, but it's not hard so much. To, it's hard to not to start to feel used in that situation, right? Oh, it's yeah. like I'm just my body's being yeah. used here. I'm not so present. It it winds up to be similar fears, right? Something bad's going to happen. It just doesn't end with the fear. It usually leads to some kind of shame, right? Something's wrong with my relationship. Something's wrong with me. I don't yeah. like myself. I mean, there's some nasty, dark stuff lurking. Mm -hmm. which is why withdrawers learn to find safety in pulling away and not doing it. Yeah. So we're just trying to understand. We get why you want to go away. And we're big fans of not having sex that is only going to lead to you feeling worse about yourself. Right. You, you don't have to have sex when you really don't want it, certainly. And how do you make that shift to recognize I have great reasons why I, early childhood, societal pressures, all these different components that say, you know, there's a risk in having sex and it's easier to not face that. Obviously, there's a tragic loss in that too. But when you can get withdrawers to start saying, wait a second, what do I want again? Mm -hmm. Like that really does unlock the door. It does. It does. And I, I think the reason we're bringing it up, right, is to help the partners think maybe it's not so personal. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe it is inside your partner that they have these blocks. And if you are a sexual withdrawal, to just start to wonder, do I kind of push my desire away when there might be moments that it could be fulfilled? and mm -hmm. Or do I do that chronically just as a long-term pattern? You know, I don't allow myself to need 
I don't allow myself to need my partner or to need sex. I don't ever think about sex. You know, there's really good reasons you might not ever think about sex because you could end up exposing yourself in a way that feels too risky. And a lot of times the pursuers want to push the envelope too fast. For me, with withdrawers, it's starting slow, sensate focus, like reacquaint yourself. Get curious about what is it you don't like about touch, mm-hmm. right? Is mm-hmm. it if your partner gives you a massage, if it's too firm, you don't like to be tickled? Like, what is it you don't like? Most people have never articulated. Is it just awkward? You're not really sure what to do with it. Is it repulsive? Is it like you got to lean in and listen to your body? It's communicating what the problem is and embedded in that's the solution, right? It's right. If I don't like tickle, why don't I like tickle? What is that about? And maybe if I didn't get tickled and touch and instead I got a firm squeeze, which is really what I like, that might make it easier to access your wants or your needs. Yeah. And I think that that kind of discernment process of Figuring out this touch, that touch I like, that touch I don't like. Mm-hmm. A lot of sexual withdrawers have never engaged in because they, they don't want to even get to the starting point. But I, I think what you're saying is if they could, they might find out that some touches really are pleasing. Some touches are easier to receive. you know. And it's okay to say that touch I don't want at all, ever. Yeah. And so many withdrawers know touch always leads to sex. Mm-hmm. So no wonder why they don't want to touch. So can we separate the two? Can we kiss without there being any sex that's going to come? Like, do you actually like different types of kissing? Do you like your head rubbed? Do you want your feet massaged? I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many things around touch that mm-hmm. are so beautiful, like yeah. get taken off the table because it, you know, it has to lead to sex and we don't want to have sex because it feels so bad. So we take everything off the table and we don't recognize the more touch we take off the table, the more distant and isolated we become. Yeah. And if you've grown up in a place where your needs are not met, it's hard to say, okay, I have these needs. You know, tonight you want sex. I just kind of want affection. Would you be okay with that? I mean, articulating need yep. and and especially when it's different than a partner who wants something else is really hard. But I think if they could do that and they could say, you know, I really, really like this kind of touch. I like this kind of touch every day of the week. You massage my feet, baby, and, you know, I'm going to love that kind of touch. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get me ready for sex. I mean, it might. It might relax me enough that then I feel safe and I'm my body feels okay about going further but I can't go into a foot rub thinking that that's what you think it's going to lead to. Exactly. So here are my big two takeaways. Okay. The one is, how do you find some of the want for yourself? Mm-hmm. How Any do you put withdrawal? the knee on the bed? How do you put the knee on the bed exactly. and feel something that would be positive for you? Just think of something. Any withdrawer that has ever gone down that road of exploring their wants will actually find something. That's the great news here. You just got to take that first step. And the second big takeaway that I'm taking out of this is to really explore why you don't want touch or Mm -hmm. whatever it is to get as specific as possible. So many withdrawers, because they don't have success 
with touch. Where do they go? They go into their head. They yeah. live in that world, yeah. right? Everything is, when you're living in your head, you become disconnected from your body. So like you have good reasons. You have huge strengths that come. But can you take some breaks to just say, right, as I'm trying to think about what's going to happen next, can I also just check in with my body? So much of our work as therapists is trying to get with jurors to retouch their body, to start listening to its signals again. And that just makes life richer, gives us a lot more information to work with, right? And a lot of which jurors are like, oh, I don't, I don't need that. I don't, you don't. But when you start to do it, you start to recognize I have more choice here. I have more mm -hmm. options. I have more room, flexibility. I can engage more. Mm -hmm. All good stuff to start getting in touch with. Yeah. My girlfriend, I'll just say the last thing, that one of the things I heard her say, she told her husband, you know, she's definitely a sexual withdrawer. She said, but I really like my hair shampooed. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hope he does that every single day in the shower. You know? Because she is inviting him to touch her in a way that feels good. And That's I know nice. that the safer she feels, the more she's able to receive that touch that feels good, the safer she's going to feel about all kinds of touch. So nice. Find I'll it. Tell you, find it. I, 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 I need a shampoo. I think right I, now I need a shampoo. As a guy, I've never gotten that until I think you took me to get my hair cut once. Sure. I never went to a women's salon or whatever they call it. So that Daddy. was an amazing feeling. That lady was rubbing my hair and she, I was like, <laughs> can I just stay here for another hour? I mean, it was great. So sometimes we don't even know what we like touch-wise until we open ourselves up to experience new things. So I hope our listeners, if you haven't had your hair shampooed, you got to try it. That's a pretty damn good thing. I got to clean up George so I take him places to get him new clothes and new shoes. New looks. <laughs> new looks. Okay, buddy. Okay. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. I would love to invite you. This is Women Only, but we are having a retreat in Asheville on November 10th through the 12th and it's going to be a slumber party and so we're going to like all stay together in the same cabin it's a beautiful space and we're going to have meals brought in and made and and we know who the chef is and so it's going to be wonderful maybe drink a little bit of wine if you'd like to and we have kind of some talks and time to work together on your sexuality so the whole goal of this women's sexuality retreat the slumber party is to basically enhance and develop yourself, your erotic self inside. So we're going to be talking about anatomy and physiology and sexual attachment. We're going to talk through blocks, you know, what stops us? What are the breaks against our sexual expression? And then what are our gas pedals? What are our turn-ons? How do we open up more sexually, like with enhanced sexual pleasure? And we're going to talk about orgasms and role play and using joys and fantasies and some stuff. And each night we're going to have a pajama party where we just relax and sit around and talk on the deck and hang out together. And, and then on Sunday morning, we're going to set our focus and have concrete steps toward sexual engagement with our partners. Sounds pretty awesome, Lori. And all the men, don't worry about it. Maybe we'll have like a Spartan camp out somewhere, have a couple <laughs> beers and, you know, we'll do our own version of that someday. <laughs> That would be great. So love to invite you. I will post it on foreplaysextherapy.com under resources, and there will be the retreat, the scheduling events, and you can link and figure out if you can make it with us on November 10th through the 12th in Asheville. 
Okay, so tell us about your cutting-edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability. Lori, we just keep pushing it, coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical, moment-by-moment moves of what a therapist can use. And we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough there's talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? Give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. You need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.